Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself, enjoy, and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more. Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. Okay, so I was on my break. I was working at a store called Michael Kors in Orlando, Florida, back in 2014. And I was on my break and I wandered into the food court. I had like a whole apple and a whole sweet potato because that's what I was eating because it was healthy. And um, that was healthy. That's what I knew was healthy. Whole foods, literally. And um, I saw Luther at the food court. He was actually in the line of the restaurant that I was going to get a salad from. And, you know, he was a super swole dude with a tank top on. Nobody, nobody else no, had tank tops on. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah. He was just a really big guy. Like, he was training for his fitness competition. So he was humongous. Like, not normal. If you see a physique competitor walking through a mall, trust me, it's going to stand out. Like, it's not Oh, so I was a competitor. You were. It wasn't me. You were. You were huge. Uh-huh. Anyways, this is my story. You're supposed to just sit there and smile. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> I'm stealing it. Um... So I actually recognized him because I followed him online and um, he made a comment at me about my apple or my sweet potato or something. Told me I was ghetto for eating it in the line. And, you know, it was kind of a segue. I was like, haha, I follow you online. And he was like, oh, yeah. He had this phenomenal fitness community. And this is before fitness online trainers was a really big deal. Um, Like way before. I don't even think online training was there yet. I don't think that was happening five years ago. Um, so he was just, he had these transformations online. So I followed his story and his journey and I was an aspiring trainer. So that's actually why I was so, I admired him so greatly because he was a local guy, but he was doing it big. And so I asked him if I could talk to him. I wanted to ask him some questions. I wasn't local, babe. I was training you Brandon Davis in San Francisco. You quiet, can you? Do you know that? Did you know interject. that? Did you know I was in Also, he was training somebody in San Francisco. Vernon Davis and Colin Kaepernick. No big deal. Okay, babe. Okay, so you were training other people, too. That wasn't local. Well, to me, you were local. <laughs> in Orlando, you were local. wrong with being local. Yes. No, there wasn't anything wrong with it. It was still a big freaking deal. You were a rock star. But I wasn't local, though. Okay. So I, I was uh, reading a book called Think and Grow Rich. And um, there was a part in the book that it said, basically, go after what you want in life and kind of like create environments that are, create create environments that are what you want. So I lived downtown, it was kind of like a party area. So I said, I'm gonna take 30 minutes a day and go to a place where normal people are at and just kind of just interact with people. 
That's kind of was my thing. So I walked over to the food court. You know, I was preparing for a fitness competition and I was eating really healthy. So I went to the healthiest option that they had at the food court. I walked over and I saw Kathy uh, in line. And uh, she had, a, I remember she had a sweet potato, a whole sweet potato and an apple and uh, in her hand. And I said, hey, that's ghetto. You walk around eating an apple in the food court. And she's like, that's not ghetto. <clears throat> what do you mean? And I can't do your demonstration because you're no, going to say. Don't do right. it. That's not ghetto. And I said, hey, I, she said, I know you. I, you're the fitness guy. And I said, oh, you know me. Uh oh, okay, forget it. Because I don't, I don't want you going online saying I'm making, saying crazy stuff. So that's how that happened. And that was the way we met. After we had our talk, I just remember getting up, thinking to myself, I never had a conversation like that in my life to where it felt that she was being so transparent with me with all of her vulnerabilities and everything that, that she wanted to become. And I never had somebody do that. And, and, it, and it flowed so easily. So she went back to her break. I went in the car and I just sat there. And she said, hey, I want you to meet my husband. And I was like, sure, I'll meet him. Because, you know, if you want me to. And so I sat in the car. And then I remember she texted me like 45 minutes later. She said, did you, you left yet? I said, yeah, I hadn't left. I was just sitting in the car like, man, well, that interaction, it was something about that interaction that I've never had with anyone. And all I know is that's the type of interactions I want to have with people that that are like real, mm -hmm. you know? And so the next day, she had me meet him and whoever he may be, she had me meet him and we met at a bar and, and we sat down and I remember him saying, hey, uh, can, you, can, you make, can you make my wife butt bigger? And I remember when he said that to me, I just, I was turned off I, and I, I wanted to go. And um, I, what would I say to you? What did I say? I lived in like five minutes. Mm -hmm. I said I had to go. Yeah, you did. You literally said, I mean, it wasn't five minutes. It was like 20 minutes. It's still awkwardly short period of time. But you were just kind of like, eh, I got to go. got to eat my next meal. I live right around the corner. So I was like, okay. And I could just tell like it didn't click well. Because here's the thing. I am, I was, especially at that time, a lot more conservative. I didn't, like, I've never been one who really was able to have guy friends. It never really worked out well. So I'm like, okay, well, this guy is phenomenally smart. He's clearly doing it when it comes to this like job. And this is something I want to do. So I'm like, let me see if I can introduce him to my husband. That was my thought process behind mm. it. My husband at the time. And so I told him, I was like, I would love for you to meet my husband. I think you guys like maybe could connect, whatever. I'm thinking, okay, well, if they connect, that means that I can kind of learn from this guy. And I was pretty honest about that. You know, I was like, it's just like, I want to pick his brain and whatever. So that was my goal with connecting them. Let me see if I can connect them, then they can connect, whatever. I can, mm. what can I get from this guy's brain? Cause he is, he's doing his thing. So the next day we planned to meet up. So we exchanged information, planned to meet up. He met my, my husband at the time. Um, and they just did not click at all. I mean, they're totally different types of people anyways, but um, it was obvious in that interaction that it was not gonna be a friendship. So my yeah. plan was dashed well, to the floor. Once he made, said that, made that statement, I was turned off. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't know that, but you know, you told me in hindsight after the fact. He said it right in front of you. I know, but I'm saying I didn't know you well enough to oh. know that that was what made you be like And that. I know that you didn't know you well enough to know that he shouldn't be saying that. And that's yeah. what I knew that I shouldn't be involved with even one of them yeah. like that. 
So I left. Because his, his personality is very like, he's kind of a principal person, Luther is. So, I mean, I know this obviously now, but so, I mean, that was, okay, so let's say that was in maybe like March of 2014. So fast forward, yeah. fast forward to about August. I was coming up on my three year anniversary, married to my ex, and some really devastating information came out about him um, from a close friend that solidified that I was now leaving this relationship. A lot of infidelity. There was a lot of information that came out literally on August 31st, which was his birthday. I threw a birthday party for him. We just flew him back into town and I got a call from a close friend mm. and it was a married couple, a husband and wife friend of ours anyways, and found out that he had been cheating and all this stuff, which really was not new news. That had been, the relationship had been all kinds of like this infidelity stuff. So that was just the nail that kind of sealed the coffin. That day, I literally left that day, which was devastating and also kind of like, I feel like I got my freedom papers at the same time because I'd been in a relationship with this guy since before we got married that it had been unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness. So this was just another incident, but it was just big enough and in my face enough that I finally said, that's it, done, leaving. So- And meanwhile, in my life, mm -hmm. I was reading that book and um, uh, Darren Henson and I, we were doing like the, the, what do you want to call it? They had basically had questions that you can answer about your life that you wanted to, you know, see happen for you from the book. And I was basically seeking for something greater. So when I came home, my friend, he said, hey man, where'd you go? I said, I, I, went, I went and met somebody, it was a meeting. And then he went to the bar and he came back. And apparently he went to the same bar that they were at. And he came home, man, I saw this girl, man, she had green eyes. He was talking about Kathy. And I just said, that's the same person I met. And it was just weird how that happened. But uh, to make a long story short, I just, I actually went home and I wrote a post on Instagram about meeting Kathy. And it's one of my best posts. It's a, it was a picture of Will and Jada. And I talked about basically the feeling you get when you meet somebody and you experience something that you never experienced before. It wasn't even like a, I like her type of thing. It was more like when you meet somebody and, and, it, and that connection, like basic human experience that you have, lets you know that that's the type of experience you want to have with somebody for you. Like it does exist. You can have a, a relationship with somebody and you could have that type of, uh, I'll call it like intimacy, but more of like a, different type of intimacy, not, not a physical intimacy. And you can just share your heart, you know, share your transparency. I never had that, I never met anyone that they did that before. You know, I'm a, I'm a trainer. So I'm saying, okay, that's that type of feeling is what I'm gonna go look for in a human. So I talked about it in the post, but I didn't tie it to anything. After I left my ex, August 31st, 2014, a week later, I packed up all my stuff and I moved to California which is where my family lives. Part of my family lives in Alaska and part of my family lives in Los Angeles. So my, um, my stepmom came, helped me pack up all my stuff and we left. So I was staying in my parents' house in Lancaster, California, to be specific. And um, Luther and I now at this point, we hadn't been in contact for months at all. You know, after that weird meetup with the ex, it was like clear this wasn't gonna be a thing. So it wasn't, there wasn't a connection for a friendship. So whatever went about my life, he went about his life. Mm -hmm. And- um, We were still cool though. Like, still cool, like, yeah. If I saw you, it'd be like, 
what's up? Mm. How's it going? You know, mm-hmm. but that was the extent of it. Um, and then actually I did, by the way, I did end up starting my boot camp after that conversation with Luther. And it, it did kind of give me like a, a little bit of confidence because some of the advice he gave me was really sound advice. So I ended up starting my boot camp and it was a beautiful season of um, helping just like girls in my community, which was really cool. So I was really bummed actually when I left Florida because I had to tell the girls, hey, I'm not gonna be able to do this boot camp anymore. Um, it was one of the saddest parts of me actually leaving. So I went back to LA, I'm like, okay, I'm about to start my whole life over. And I don't know anything's happening with her. And yeah. meanwhile, I'm, for me, it was spiritual, you know, uh, not to be super spiritual, but I am a spiritual person. I went and got a tattoo that, that said that there was a behind Superman, behind Clark Kent, the, the ordinary guy, there's gonna be a woman that sees the hero in the ordinary guy. And uh, she has green eyes apparently. And I wanted it to represent that she could be any ethnicity. I didn't know what ethnicity she was gonna be, but I knew she was gonna be on my arm. Cause I was, I was fasting at the time when I met her. And that was the crazy part. So I put that on my arm and come to find out the day that I got the tattoo is the day that she left her husband. And I wrote on Facebook, on Instagram, when I got the tattoo, it said, this tattoo is something special. I don't know what it's going to represent, but I know that something's coming and I don't want to talk about it. And the post is still there. So it was really spiritual. And so in the book, They Can Grow Rich, it said, don't think about what happened. Go after what you want once again. So I went on Instagram and hit random people inviting everyone to my fitness competition because I normally don't get support. And I said, don't think about what you don't get. Put it out there. That's what the book was telling me to do. I was just following it. And I hit random people. Come to my show. She happened to be one of the 15, 20 people that was in the message. And she said, I would, but I live in L.A. And I said, no, you don't. This was like three weeks after I had left my ex. Yeah. So now I'm at my parents' house in California. Trying to figure out my life. (laughs) Starting from nothing. And I got a DM from him. A group DM. A group DM. And it was inviting me to his fitness competition along with the other people that were in the group message. And I responded back and I was like, oh, well, I'm not in Florida anymore. So, you know, I'll have to be wishing you good luck from the West Coast. <laughs> so <laughs> I texted him I'm like, hey, how's it going? So we chit chat on the phone for like a week. And then we actually jumped on the phone and had a phone call and talked to each other. And the rest really is history. But basically in that conversation, we talked all night. Well, we talked probably like eight hours that night on the phone and talked about everything that you could possibly talk about. It was like, that's when it comes into the whole, I feel like I've known you forever part Mm. because it was as if, it was like already a sealed deal Mm. when we had that conversation. But for me, it was more like, my goal was to try to like, what can I do to help you? Yeah. If you remember, it was was basically like, trying to encourage her. Yeah. Do this, I think you should do this. Uh, What are five things you love about yourself? All that. So after that first conversation and she was so receptive to it, I got the phone, I called my dad. You know, he was alive at the time. I said, Dad, I think I met the one. And she said that she had called her mother and said the same thing. We found that out later. So after that first conversation, I'm like, okay, I prayed and I said, God, if this person's for me, let me know. If, if this person is for me to help encourage her, to build her up, to get her, maybe to go back to the person she was with, I don't know what she wants to do, but I just want to help make her life better. I see something in her that I think is special, but I don't know my role and I don't want to force it if it's not for me because I was still fasting at the time and so the next conversation we had it was good and I just said okay listen I'm gonna tell you where I'm at I ain't seeing nobody 
It's been so long since I've done anything that it just comes out on its own. And she was like, TMI. I'm like, listen, this is the type of person I am. I don't put my best foot forward. I put both foot forward. This is who I am. So if I'm, if we're gonna have a relationship, whether it's a friendship or whatever it's gonna be, this is how I am. Yeah. And she was freaking out. It's a little shocking. Yeah. I was like, okay. You were upset, right? You, I wasn't the only person who heard about that. Everybody in the car heard about that. I was like, is this normal? If you just told me, to... um, and everybody's like, well, real. my sisters, my sisters were all with me, and they're like, well, he's just honest, I guess. I'm like, okay, well, honesty is good. That's refreshing, you know. Haven't had that in a while, so. Um, and he was, he was very, very honest. And I did really appreciate that. I loved that about him actually from the beginning. Um, and so then we started talking, talking, we can call it dating, but we weren't in the same state. So, I mean, we were talking. You were in California and I was in, yeah. I was in Orlando. And then, and then, um, about a month later is the first time that we met each other. I had been in Alaska, so I flew to Alaska, I was spending some time just trying to recoup my life. Um, I was still very much fresh out of my separation at this point. It was so funny, it's I was funny. in I was in Alaska visiting my mom, and I flew back from Alaska to California. And Luther was in Florida, and he flew to LA. So we were meeting each other for the first time now, as a couple. As a whatever, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And when we got to the airport, it was so funny. I, I wish there was a camera crew there that day. Like <laughs> I wish I could remember it. <laughs> Because we literally like had a movie worthy makeout scene yeah, in the middle of in front the of the airport. airport. It was I don't like know a... what was going on. It was like, hey, nice to meet you for the first time, kind of. You yeah. know, it was just it was it was all hands and yeah. so we were. But we already had at that point. That was like a month into our conversation relationship. We'd already said we'd love each other and stuff. Yeah. It was I just met her dad. Hey, nice to meet you. By the way, I'm not gonna touch your daughter till we get married. He's like, oh, I'm like, hey, just let you know what kind of person I am. This, you know, so they got used to me real quick. Yeah. Black is beautiful. Black is love. It can be seen 365 days a year, 24-7, and Target is here for all of it. Black Beyond Measure is Target's year-round campaign that celebrates and elevates the spectrum of Black love and success. From the multitude of commitments and investments in the Black community to supporting HBCU students and uplifting Black entrepreneurs. Shop Black-owned or founded brands at Target from home decor and candles to beauty, wellness products, and so much more. Surround yourself, enjoy, and amplify your Black love with the help of the Black-owned and founded brands at Target every day. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond measure to learn more well, a month after that airport meeting uh i proposed to her because i just decided that it don't take forever to know what you need forever that's how i feel about it and i just knew and so i went there i told her i couldn't um be with her for christmas so i snuck and i flew there and i hid in the closet <laughs> and so i jumped out and proposed to her at uh and she said yes, and yeah. everything else was history. After that, two months later, I said, this is the plan. You're moving back with me. You want to you wanna be in L.A.? Come, we'll figure it out. Uh, add you to my business. And two months later, she moved, started training together. I trained her for her first show, and four months later, uh, started making seven figures and came back to L.A. with... with uh, strong business, 
and strong relationship and a new life. <laughs> I would say the reason that our relationship works is because I guess the word purpose comes to mind. Um, when I first started, really got connected with Luther when we were dating, I loved the impact on people that he had. And that was so in alignment with what my heart's desire was. I wanted to serve people and I loved fitness. Literally fit my, you know, like idea of how to serve people so well because he was already actively doing that. And then when I actually got to, when I got closer with him and we moved in together and everything, and I started seeing how he served people, that solidified in me oh, I can join with this purpose. And that's really kind of how I, that's how I see our relationship. I see it as we have a purpose together. We also love each other and we decided to do life together. And so that purpose is to me very much so what anchors our relationship together because now we do it, we started doing it on a scale that was, you know, substantial but smaller and now we do it on a, on a much larger scale that we still do that same thing and that same heartbeat is something that we both share so closely and also I think I have this uh, ability kind of to see like his areas of strength and see how I can support those areas and like likewise he's been able to really help me to identify the strengths in myself and encouraged me to bring those things out and that has been you know the tone in our relationship over the last four mm. years it's been lots of that in different moments in different seasons in different ways so I think that desire for both of us to serve people and also to continue to grow is what makes our relationship work we're not exactly the same by any means like we come from culturally different backgrounds we come from uh, geographically different places, so mm -hmm. a lot of things are very different. Um, he makes fun to, of me all the time. She didn't know. I don't know who anybody. I used to not know who anybody all, was. You know who Master P is? Yeah. She didn't know. Like there's so much, like so many things. Like, you know, it's funny, but <laughs> you know, but it's it, it keeps it it keeps it like I'm always like I have something to learn from this guy. You know. The reason why I think it. it the relationship works for us is because I'm more of a self-driven person to where I always want to better myself. Mm -hmm. And she challenges me in ways that I would have never thought to try to better myself, so to speak. So the things that I need, she has. Um, the Being the nurturer, um, I really never had that type of feeling from like, you know, a, a mother or a woman. So she gives me that, that that nurturing spirit. And she also, as we said earlier, she's she sees the, the glass full when it comes to people, no matter if it's three o'clock in the morning and it's dark outside. But, and I'm more like, hey, hey, you know, I assess things differently. So learning how to deal with someone that's the opposite of you is something that I would have never tried to work on. And, it's teaching me not really patience because I am patient, but it's it's helping my communication skills with people. Because when I when I try to explain things to her, because she can be very you know, as a woman, she can be very sensitive. So if I say, 
not, not in a bad way, I mean in a bad way, but if I say, I don't think that you're that way, but that's something that I would like, you know, I'm not saying it. And she, what? I would say, no. I mean, like, that's not something that you naturally do, but when you do it, I like it. And so I had to learn how to say stuff. I never had to do that before with people. I just say whatever I feel. But she taught me how to make sure I really say it in a way that she can, you know, appreciate it. And I learned how to encourage her. If she don't want to do something, I'm not going to try to encourage her. I, because she's not asking for that. I have to give her what she's asking for and when she's ready to receive it. So that helped me approach people. So I think I'm growing as a man when it comes to people because of the practice that I have with her dealing with the fact that you're dealing with a, a sensitive woman who actually is there for you. It's amazing that I have a nurturer. I didn't think it was something that I needed, but I knew that it was something that I was missing and I couldn't pinpoint it. And I've always had problems when someone hugs me, or if I was at church, we give a church hug. I always was very uncomfortable because I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't really used to that. She's very hands-on. And so even still, I'm still learning how to really, you know, I, I'm still like, okay, I'm hugging her. You know, even as my wife, you know, it's like, it's not, it's like the small things. And I didn't know I needed it until I've experienced it. I'm mixed. So my mom is white. She's German, English. And my dad is from Trinidad. So he's Islander, you know. So here's the thing. I come from a very female-dominant world because, like, Caribbean men are not super-dominant men. Typically speaking, stereotyping a little bit, but they're laid back, easygoing, kickback, chill, you know, Mr. Mom types. And my mom, I grew up with my mom primarily, very strong, independent person. She's, like floating here and there. Like, if she wants to do it, she's going to do it. If it's fun, she's going to do it. Like, fun is a big deal in our life, you know? Um, but also boss, because she had her own businesses and everything like that. So I just come from that type of an environment where it was like, we worked hard together, we played hard together, and... So she'll say, okay, put the pillow right there. Um, you got the pizza? Put the pizza right there. The pizza I goes right be, there. And I'm yeah. like, okay. I'll be like coming off a little there. bossy sometimes. <laughs> I feel bad about that. I'm working on it. Um, but he he's definitely more of like the southern kind of like grits over there. Grits and shrimp. Right now. Grits, cold. grits with Jones. cheese on it, which <laughs> is still weird to me. I I eat my grits with sugar. Yeah. Um yeah, no, it's offensive to people from the south. I know, yeah. I know. But Everybody's the, cringing here, right now. But. So she is so so like listen, I had to tell it. The Black Panthers were not a hate group. She was told and taught that there was a hate group. I'm like, no, it was a not bad. I was raised in a very. Now, let me tell you about Malcolm X. It's like you have to, you still have to watch Malcolm X. Yeah. You haven't seen it yet. The one with Denzel Washington. Yeah. See what I'm saying? So it's like we, we we doing history, you know. And now she's she wants to do a documentary on learning her culture, being you know all that. I don't want to spoil your stuff, but I love it, and I'm happy that she's learning more about. You know, the other side. Luther was the first black guy I ever dated. <laughs> That's what I'm basically trying to say. Luther <laughs> was the first brother I ever dated. <laughs> the only black guy in my life was my dad. I'm not kidding. Like, even my grandparents and my cousins and stuff, we grew up with all from my mom's side. So I didn't grow up culturally. I grew up in a Christian school yeah. in Alaska. The other day I saw her watching a documentary on Quincy Jones. I said, look at you. <laughs> Look at you. Like, now she, she loving it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's been, the last four years, I feel like I got in touch with 
the other side of me mm-hmm. more than I ever had before. Not because I avoided the other side of myself, and I, but by the other side of me, I mean like my black side, like literally, what does that even mean, you know? And- They used to call you what, growing up? Oreo. But also what's interesting is that it's Black Caribbean. Yeah. Black Caribbean. So you're learning like yeah. Black American. And but if she, you and if did. you have any Caribbean background, by the way, like my grandmother is blacker than she's blacky black as she calls anybody who's dark skinned. But you you didn't know that people were calling you Oreo and what that meant. Like she didn't know that she was the only black girl, even though she was the only black girl. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like racially didn't I didn't come up in a place mm-hmm. where it was like black is black and mm-hmm. white is white. It was more of a mm-hmm people are people kind of an environment that's what i grew up in that's i didn't notice you know a difference kind of a thing and i'm still kind of a little bit yeah you know i don't know what the word is i'm looking for but you still kind of see it as you don't see it as separate you see it all as people which is how it should be well just like kind of how like the similar how in the latin culture if there's Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, etc. They don't consider themselves the same thing Mm -hmm. they oh, but i'm i'm puerto rican i'm when you're Caribbean black, a lot of times it's like, oh, we're not, but we're not African black. We're Caribbean black. We're West Indian. You know, it's like, so there's always this little weird divide situation. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I, I didn't grow up particularly. I didn't have like a lot of exposure to black people. I really didn't. Straight up. So then when I met my husband. She thought I was crazy because we're at the gas station at three o'clock in the morning and our cars are getting declined because we're traveling from state to state. Yeah. And the guy comes up and says, first of all, there's a guy rocking in a rocking chair with a turban on, which is clearly weird. And then a gentleman walks up and says, hey, I'll pay for your gas. And she goes, sure, thank you. And let's go out there. And I'm saying, no. I feel no. like you're leaving so many holes in this story. Right and I'm now. saying, no, no, don't. Don't do that. And, and I'm like, nah, we good. <laughs> we're going to wait on the phone until they unlock the car. And we're going to do that. The whole ride to the next stop. She was, she was being, he was being nice. And that was, we had issues in the beginning because it was more like culture. I mean, no, it's three o'clock in the morning. I don't care. He's a nice guy. No. So I got in trouble a lot for being def- defensive about people trying to, you know, do. You see the world a little bit more. Yeah. Sinister than I do. I No, you've, you've, you've adjusted. Yeah. You know, you're you a lot see more. It, you're more of a, I don't know if the word pessimist is too strong of a word to use, but you are a bit more pessimistic. Like three o'clock in the morning. A bit you, more optimistic. Three o'clock in the morning is nothing optimistic about having a guy. Okay. You're making it and, sound and like. It was in a country country area with nobody It was around. not the country. It was Arizona. We were driving through Arizona. Did the guy have a turban on? Was he rocking in the chair? That was a separate gas station. And yes, they did have Same gas station. That was weird. Listen, the rocking chair part is the weird. It was so weird because there was nobody else and it was the middle of the night. Exactly, which is not, which is why I'm not a pessimist. No, it was, it was the same one. Well, my background, my mother and my father, they're great people, but they just, they couldn't really figure it out, you know? And um, so they spent a lot of their times arguing and me being a kid, it's him telling on her to me. So he, he'd be concerned about me looking at him wrong or she telling on him to me because she worried about me looking at her. So I'm the, I'm the media, mediator and I'm a kid. I just need love. So I never, really, I never really got, let's go to the movies, let's go hang out. So it was always friction. It was always turbulence, you know, but the positive side to my father, he's very perceptive with people. He'll tell you, that guy, don't trust that guy. He's gonna try to steal from you. Oh, this person, they're, they're jealous of you, stay away. So he's really good at it, which is 
been passed on to me. So I'm very, very perceptive. And so that's when I think she's learned over the years. At first it was more like, no, you're pessimistic. <laughs> but now she's like, you know what? I trust your judgment. You're really, you're really good at judging character, you know? So, you know, I've learned a lot from them. Uh, my dad passed. Uh, that's why our, our wedding is on November 2nd because it's his birthday. And we did it to kind of like also honor him and because um, he couldn't be here for that. But I'm glad that he got a chance to meet her in person, you know, right before he passed. And I remember the conversation he had with us. He told us to never let anybody get in between you two, keep us between you and you and just love each other. So it was nice. All right, so as a kid, I used to always go in my room and close the door and blast boys to men. I'm, I'm sure in my age right now. I would blast the music because I needed to be filled with love and, and optimism because all I heard was friction, you know? And I always said, you know, one day I'm gonna show them. And that's why it was hard to get through my wedding with my mom not being there and my dad, my dad not being allowed to be there. So it was more like, I gotta do better. And my mom would say, don't marry somebody like your dad. Don't, don't be like somebody like your dad. And my dad would say, don't marry somebody like your mom. So I just always was quiet and say, you know, one day I'm, I'm gonna do it right. And I was always big on like marriage. I had this fantasy about marriage and marrying someone. That's why I always, when I was a kid, I was, I had respected women. I was a virgin all the way through. I was in college, uh, it was a crazy story. Uh, whatever, but I, I was, um, I got sick. I was taking a medication for sleeping and I took some sleeping pills and the pills damaged my liver. And I actually had a lawsuit with them and I was falling asleep a lot, heavily. I couldn't wake up and I lost my football scholarship for that. And so I had a tutor and she came over to tutor me. And unfortunately I fell asleep while she was tutoring and I woke up, she was, in the middle of that situation with me and I woke up and I kicked her out, went off on her and I wanted to tell someone, but you know, as a college kid, you're like, okay, people, guys were laughing at me in the dorm. And so I didn't want people to laugh at me. So I just didn't say anything. And that's how that happened. After that, I was like, forget it. Let me just find somebody and just willingly do this. So I won't have to live with that. That's how it happened. That's how it happened. But ultimately, you know, I wanted to wait until I got married. That's the kind of person I was. And that came from having this crazy curse word every five seconds, you know, B's and H's and, and mother F's and all that. I don't, that's why I don't do that. And that's why I'm the way I am. So I'm proud that I don't like it, but I'm glad that it made me, it made those things the most important thing to me. I will say this, <laughs> my uh, MySpace page was called The Chosen One because I always felt that I was chosen. I was the chosen one. I'm not Neo, but God, he made my life what it was for me to have certain things in my heart to, to, to desire certain things. And I just knew that the way you live your life, you're gonna be known for the way you live your life. You're gonna be known for the way you think, and you're gonna be known for the person that you're with. She's gonna be beautiful. She has to be beautiful because you are a walking example of how you need to be. That's why I'm putting you through this. I knew that as a kid. Like, I'm chosen, I have to be. My aunts and uncles and everyone was saying, how are you not crazy? This toxic life that you're living with your, with your parents, how are you not crazy? So I knew. And so I just said, she's gonna be beautiful. I'm not surprised that she's striking. I'm not surprised that she's just this total package because I always knew 
that men will listen because of what they see that I have. And that will cause them to, once they listen, they'll say, he has something to add, value, value, value to add. Because I've always been inspiring, but I never really had anything to show for. Say, so, okay, you, how can you talk to me about relationships? How can you talk to me about success? How can you talk to me about finance? How can you talk to me about making good choices? So God was like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you everything that they need to see to make them listen to you. You're qualified with nothing, but some people need that. And that's why I take pride in this position, because I know it was given to me for a reason to, to, to lead in love. Marriage for me, the expectation I had, well, I... I don't know if I had an expectation. I, I suppose I did. What was my expectation around marriage? I've never really thought about that before. I always wanted to get married, even though I saw no consistent marriages in my life. I remember how sad I was when my best friend's parent, my best friend, her parents got divorced, because I always perceived them to be like what marriage is supposed to be. And growing up, I admired, I spent so much time with her family because I always wanted to, I loved their dynamic. I don't think they probably even realized how much I loved being in their household because I loved the dynamic of their family, mom and dad, the kids. And our family didn't really have that, even though, our, even though we had a special dynamic as well. But that piece, I think as a kid, you long for that, that mm -hmm. connectedness. And so I saw that. And maybe I guess that was my expectation of marriage, that it would be a friendship and it would be... Um, you know, husband goes to work, wife goes to work, you come back together mm -hmm. somehow at some point. And now that we're married and we work together, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I I didn't have any blueprint of what marriage was going to be like this way. We don't have kids yet, but when people say like, oh, you'll understand one day when you have kids, I kind of feel like telling them like, do you work with your partner like 24 seven? You're with them. Like we travel together. We eat together. We work together. He takes my pictures and does the videos. We collaborate on all of our projects as a unit. Like everything is together. So we hold a lot of responsibility with each other. You know what I mean? Um, I think that I'm lucky to have had one marriage before this one because I get to actually look at my marriage now and say like oh man like this is how you this is how you could successfully do life with somebody of course it's not always easy when you're so close to somebody in every single way you will get on each other's nerves it's gonna happen <laughs> like it's going to happen but i also you also become really dependent on that person for like just normal stuff, you know, because you fill each other, you fill roles in each other's life in like mm. a hyper type of way. So we function so closely together for everything as far as like our day to day that I feel so weird when we're not together. Like I feel like, like I'll be like, babe, like making decisions becomes something that you like got to just ask your person like, hey, how do you feel about X, Y, Z, you know, and I'm a pretty independent person. But it definitely makes you kind of because we live a life where we live a life more. where everything matters. Like every choice we make, it's like it matters. Yeah. And so if we get to the little choices, we kind of like you get a little stopped. We up. start a pin on each other. It's like, like, wait a minute, I don't need to ask about this. <laughs> yeah. Let me go ahead and just make a decision right now, yeah. right? Like a little bit. 
But that's I think that's better than the other side of it because I know a lot of people, a lot of friends I have. They go like this. They don't. They just do everything yeah. for themselves. You know. I mean, so. not to say that you can't like because I. I mean, we've been married now for two years, but it feels like we've been married for the four. It feels as though we've been married for the whole time we've been together. Because from hello, we basically started working together. So it's always been this way. We just also got married in the mm-hmm. midst of that. Mm-hmm. But when we got married, it wasn't like things were so starkly different from before yeah. and now. I right? think it's beautiful to where it's like, okay, babe, what do you think? Like, you're a woman. Yeah. So you can tell me from a woman's perspective, I got a whole sex covered. I'm a man, babe. Those heels. I pick all her heels out. Mm-hmm. People, women love her heels. Girls, guys love her heels. Like, yo, trust me. And so it's like we, I think it's beautiful when you have a whole opposite perspective. Like, take advantage of that. If he's wrong, he'll admit that he's wrong. That's... But he does not apologize. <laughs> at all. What? He's one of those, apologies just mean that you want to stop feeling bad for oh. what you did. <laughs> He's one of those people. Whereas me, I'm like, no. Okay. Can, I want to hear you say your story. Can I speak for myself? Sure. This is what I say. For example, I'll give you an example. The other night, the tailor was coming over to the house because we had to prepare for this interview. Right? And so the tailor was coming over and she was asleep. And I, as soon as I opened the door, she jumped up. What are you doing? I was asleep. And I'm like, she was frustrated because she was resting, but I, I couldn't like teleport through the room and get the stuff. So she stormed out the room. And then so, and I said to her, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I caught myself. I don't, I'm not, I don't like saying that type of stuff. So I'll say, I should not have done that. Next time I, 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 I won't have him come. I know apology, apologizing is great, but I'm big on, because when you apologize, I'm sorry. You're sorry. Is you just want them to feel better about how they feel. And that's really for you because you don't like that they don't feel good. So I may say it sometimes, but I'll be like, you know, I'll say it. I apologize. I'm sorry. But then after that, I'll say, you know, I, I should not have done that. I understand why you felt that way. And maybe next time, you know, I won't do this because that's really the important part because you can say I'm sorry and keep doing the same crap. So that's what I look at that type of stuff. Not that I don't like saying it. So she stormed out and I said to myself, she has a right to be upset because she was asleep. So I'm gonna let her have her experience and I'm just gonna apologize and say I shouldn't have done it. I went to, I went to bed the next morning. She's funneling with some, with some clothes and I wake, she wakes me up and I wake up and I turn to her and I say, babe, do you have to do that right here? And she responds, oh, I'll do it later. And later I said, now you got mad at something, but then you went and did the same thing the next day. And I'm okay with that. But you know what I'm saying? It was it's funny. That's the kind of stuff we deal with. Mm-hmm. But I think that that we communicate. And it's more as like, okay, we get let's if she's emotional, I'll say, hey, let's hey, let's get let's wait. Log, from a logical standpoint, you did the same thing I did. No, you you knew I was asleep. I didn't know you was asleep. I said, okay, technically I did know you was asleep and you didn't know I was asleep. But let's say if you didn't know, what happened? The, the variable is I was asleep and you was asleep. But the difference was you got upset and stormed out. And I just turned to you and politely asked you, do you have to do that here? And, and, and that's how we talk. Luther and I <laughs> are very different in certain <laughs> ways. One of the ways is that Luther wants to talk it out. Talk and talk. Most men don't want to talk and talk about it. 
And I'm like, just say you're sorry, or I'll say I'm yeah. sorry, and we'll get through this. And let's keep it moving. Just get it, go through Luther, it. And then we're going to do the same thing two days later because we never understand the root. He wants to get to the root. So we can he move wants past to it. dissect it and conversate about it. I'm more like, this hurt my feelings. Here's why. Here's your opportunity to say sorry. And that, then that helps me to exercise my patience because you're going to continue doing the same thing over and over mm-hmm. because you just want to say, I'm sorry. I'd rather talk about it and have an understanding. Yeah. And so we can, that's what we all want. If I have an issue, all I want mm-hmm. is understanding. If you're upset, you, me, what makes you feel that way? What is there? I didn't think that there was anything mm-hmm. wrong about what I did. That's why I did it. But clearly it was. So what, what is it? Help me understand what's bothering you so I'll see it your way and maybe I won't do it next time. Mm-hmm. That's how I am. Yeah. You just want me to say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're different. But it's all good. I'll say it if you want me to say it. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> Learn something every day. <laughs> My favorite thing about being married is knowing that you have a teammate. Like a life mate. Whenever something affects me, it affects her. When something affects her, it affects me. Like you're not living world this world alone. And I unfortunately, I think not to bring it that way, but a lot of people are stuck in boyfriend, girlfriend, or marriage because because of that. Like they have the they have bills and they can't survive on their own. But the fact that we are both working on being our best self together, it makes us one super powerful person. And I can say, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I could point at anything in the sky that I want to go for. And I know that I got somebody that has my back and my front if I need that. So that's powerful. Like, you're, 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 two, you're two versions of you. You're your, your strengths and you're your weaknesses. So. Yeah. I think that the best part about being married is to somebody like my husband is... Let me say it like that. Huh? <laughs> Go ahead. Because not everybody, I think it's not an overarching answer. I think it's mm-hmm. great to be married to somebody like you because I believe that you see the best in me. And I appreciate that you helped to magnify that so that I could have the faith to see it in myself. So that I'll actually like, go for it in life. Mm-hmm. That's what I really like about being married. Yeah. And then I just try to reciprocate that same thing, you know? That's do, you, awesome. do you think that I see the best in me? Because I was I was thinking about that on yes. the plane yesterday. I really? think you so do. I think sometimes I forget. You do sometimes, but... That's when I get, I get I down. I get hard on myself sometimes. You, more than almost anybody else I've ever met, I actually think you believe the greatness in you. And, like, a lot of people struggle with that. They don't really believe it, you know, but you have to have a certain level of belief in the greatness in yourself to achieve things that you really, really, really want that are going to challenge you. And I think that holds most people back because they don't actually believe that they could be as great as they want to be. They don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, if you don't have somebody who's prodding you, then it's very unlikely that you're going to stretch yourself beyond what you could You could just grasp but i think that's my biggest weakness too though yeah. because i'm so hard on myself mm-hmm. you don't think so like sometimes i can get into like a funk and i just can't to me i don't think i can yeah. remember the greatness in me yeah i mean maybe you think i never forget it but to me it feels like 
I just get really down. I don't, when I want something and I, I, I want it so bad, I mean, I could do this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just struggle. Like, I don't know. What do you, I mean, you see me all the time. So, yeah, I think. Um, what is it like? You don't think that's, the, that's my biggest strength and weakness? Yeah, I think it is, actually. I think it's both of those things because you, like most people, including myself, I have a tendency not to believe the greatness in me. Like, I have that tendency where I'll be like, man, I could settle for less. But you but you can settle for less. I can't comfortably settle for less. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. So I get really, you don't get down on you like I get down no, on me. I no. get really down. <laughs> because like, I'll be good. Like, I'll be good. You put me in a matchbox, like a little tiny house, I'll be chilling and... You can put me in something real nice and I'll be chilling. Mm-hmm. I kind of have this natural adaptability kind of personality. I'll just adapt. I'll make it a home. I'll make it look cute and cozy and whatever. Whereas Luther is so like, I don't know. I just see him as like the general. Like I feel I feel like he's like. I remember to, Grant, I mean, he, Kathy's. He the, has the ability to be a great leader. Kathy was on the phone with Tamia. He was asking her a question. And then Tamia goes, uh. Like, I don't know. It was about something about a plan or something. And she said, "Let me ask Grant. Let me ask him." Grant and Kathy says, "Oh, uh, I hope one, I can't, one day I can't wait to have a house that so big that I have to scream my husband's name." I'm sitting there looking at her like, "Okay." <laughs> right. So I took it like, "All right." And then, then we we get the house, and now she's like, "Well, we don't have to be. Oh, it don't have to be like that." Remember, remember, remember what you said. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's how I am. It's more like I'm yeah. always looking for. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. check. I'm always looking for something to encourage me, but at the same time, I think that I gotta work on the balance of not being so I can really beat myself up. And I think that that's what you help me with. I, I think because mm-hmm. I don't like that part about me. Yeah. That's something that I, I'm working on, and I haven't figured it out all the way. But mm-hmm. I think there's such a thing as being too ambitious. <laughs> that's possible maybe because if you're too ambitious it makes it very difficult to be grateful for what you have in this present moment because there's always something more there's always something greater that you want there's always the next level of this there's always the next achievement and it makes it extremely hard to just be here and grateful Mm -hmm. for what you have right here and now and i think that would be the weaker side Mm -hmm. of your great ability which Mm -hmm. is that belief in yourself like oh hell yeah and it's not that i look at other people like, I didn't associate her saying his name Mm-mm. about that, about them. It's more like yeah. when I see something as possible, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is. You know, it's more like when I heard her say that, it's more like, oh, you put someone else not above you, but it's more like I'm big on that. Like, I don't put anybody but God. I don't put anybody like I don't see anybody as, oh, we're all level and we can all achieve anything. And once I see it, I believe that God allowed me to see it or he allowed me to hear it to spark the interest. Let me know that it's possible if I want it. Every time we have a dream, anytime we have a thought, it's because he planted that seed to say, hey, if you want to get this, it's yours. And that's kind of how I see it. And when I heard her say that, it was more like God knows my personality. So it's like, hey, look at that. She she don't she don't even know. She said she wished. So she don't even know that it can happen. So I'm sure. I got I to gotta work on something. I can work on watching TV and watch negative stuff all day long, mm-hmm. or I can go for something. Yeah.